Talk Recorded live. You are listening to Pastor Helen Young of Grace Worship Center in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, a life-changing fellowship. Join us today as she ministers the Word of God. Almost does not complete. You will be blessed and enlightened with today's message. Let us join in with the service already in progress. Be blessed. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for today. We thank you that you've allowed us to break bread again with you and to get inside of your word. Based on your word, that it will strengthen us as we go out through the rest of this week. We thank you, O oh God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I thank everybody for coming out this morning and diving into the Word with me. I pray that you have your spiritual tennis shoes on so that we can go through the scriptures. Amen. Amen. Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Acts, chapter 26. I want us to start reading at verse number 27. When you have it, I want you to stand on your feet. In the book of Acts, chapter 26, starting at verse number 27, and we're going to read through 29, it says, King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? I know that thou believest. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. And Paul said, I would to God that not only thou, but also all that hear me this day were both almost and altogether such as I am, except for these bonds. You may be seated. We're going to talk about almost is not complete. Say that with me, almost. Uh-huh. Is not complete. Our main text is focusing on 26 and 28. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Almost is not complete. When you look at the word almost, it means only a little less than. Very nearly, but not exactly, or entirely. Borderline, within an inch of. You've heard the song, 99 and a half won't do. Almost. Very nearly, but not exact, or entirely. Borderline, within an inch of. Paul, as you know, were in bonds, and he was appearing there before the people. And as he began to tell them what had happened and the things that had happened to him, they said that Paul was mad and everything. And then as he began to talk to King Agrippa, and he says, King Agrippa, you believe the prophets, knowing that he was a what? God fear man know is that he had read the word, he knew it, intelligent. He says, King Agrippa, you believe the prophets. He says, I know you believe. King of 
Agrippa said, say, Paul, hey, look, you almost persuaded me to be a, a Christian. Almost is not enough. Amen? In the book, same book of Acts, <laughs> chapter 24, I'm going to start reading at verse number 25. Starting at verse number 24. And it says, And after certain days, when Felix came with his wife, Drexilla, which was a Jewess, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. Look at what 25 said. And as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, what's the next two words? Felix, what? Trembled and answered, go thy way for this time. When I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. Paul is talking to Felix. And he's telling him the way of righteousness. And then all of a sudden, he says this. Go your way for this time when I have a convenient season. He didn't say a convenient day. But he talked about a season, which means there had to be lots of days. Lots of days. Where it come to a season where he wants to hear. Not a another week or anything, but he said a season. He says, I will call for, for thee. He hoped also that the money should have been given him of Paul, that he might lose him, wherefore he sent for him the offer and commune with him. Listen to this. Paul tells, tells Agrippa, and Agrippa says, I almost was persuaded to become a Christian. Here it's Felix is saying what? Uh, wow. This is mind-boggling. Whoa. Uh, no, just quit it right now and go your way. And he said, and I get in touch with you at a better time, better day and right now. You know, parties do next week. And the other part is the week after that. I got a big feast. I got family and friends coming over. And I don't have time right now. But come back when it's another time in my life, another season where I'm not so busy. Maybe this is the season out of the harvest out of the reaping, but maybe it's a season where I can have everything going good. You know how it is. Come talk to me when it ain't raining, and then if it's not raining, it's cold. You say, come talk to me on another day, it's cold. You say, well, come talk to me, and it's just burning up hot, and I can't talk right now. Come to another time. we always putting off things. Look at something over in the book of Ezekiel. I want you to look at that for me. Ezekiel chapter 33. And I want to read, starting at verse number 31, Ezekiel 33. I'm going to start reading at verse number 31. And listen to this. And they come unto thee as the people cometh, and they sit before thee as my people. Wow. And they hear thy words, but they will not do them. For with their mouth they show what? Much love. What's the next line? But their heart 
goes is after their what? Covetousness. And verse number 32 says, And lo, thou art unto them as a very lovely song of one that has a pleasant voice and can play well on an instrument, for they hear thy words. What's the next sentence? But they do them not. Isn't that something? Look at 33. And when this coming to pass, lo, it will come, then shall they know that a prophet had been among them. So what are we talking about? Talking to people, and they look good, and they act good. They come to church, don't go to church, but they can talk the Bible, and they can look at it, but they don't do it. I've run across, you've run across, many have run across people. They can quote scriptures. I'm not knocking that, their abilities, but they're just all mouths. There are no action. The book of James tells us to be hearers and doers of the word. But here in the book of Ezekiel, he says, what? He said, the people that come forth, you know, they hear my words, but they don't do them. Almost is not complete. We think as a group of people that we're young and we're going to live forever. Not so. We don't know when or how things are going to come. I was looking at a, a, a commercial on TV. It was talking about a heart attack. It had an older man sitting on the bench in the park uh, and a younger man that was running, just, you know, have the runners and, and things, joggers and so forth. And then the commercial began to talk about a heart attack and to prepare for it. And you saw the picture of the older man just kind of holding his shirt at the top. And then it switched to the young man had a heart attack while running, and he had just fallen there. And the picture was telling you this, that a heart attack can happen to anybody and that you need to be prepared. So what I'm saying is this, almost is not complete. You can go to church every Sunday, every time the doors open, but there should be a commitment on the inside of you to serve the Lord, to make sure of your calling, making your calling an election sure, to make sure that you're doing what God has called you to do. We can sit up and, 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 and enjoy that. and We can sing along with the choir. We can dance and everything. But when we go out, it's the same old thing again. We're cursing. We're swearing. We're backbiting. We're gossiping. It ought not to be like that with us. Almost a Christian is not complete. What are we going to do when we stand before the Lord? God, I almost, they almost persuaded me to accept you. It's not going to be good. That's not good at all. I want you to look at something else with me. Look at this. In the book of Mark, chapter 6, verse number 20. Mark, chapter 6, and verse number 20. Look at this. <clears throat> Listen to what this is saying. In verse 20, it says, For Herod feared John, talking about John the Baptist. For Herod feared John, knowing that he was a just man and a holy, and observed him. And when he had what hurt him, he did many things and hurt him gladly, right? So Herod, he feared John. We talk about John the Baptist. You know how 
Herod had John the Baptist killed because of the wife and the daughter, his stepdaughter, his niece, stepdaughter, his niece, but it was his step well anyway. He was in sin, and John had already told Herod, man, you in trouble. You're not supposed to marry your husband's wife, I mean, your brother's wife. And the daughter, his little niece, danced before him. He got his lust on, and he told the girl, just do that thing for me, and I give you even half of my kingdom. And then she goes to her mom, and her mama handed John the Baptist. Why? Because she, John the Baptist was, you know, he didn't pull no punches. He wasn't trying to hide. He said, just what it is. He was straight up 100 with him. He said, you're wrong. You should be marrying your brother-in-law. So she didn't like them. Nobody likes to be talked about, right? But when you're really guilty, you get, there's an attitude that follows that. So when her daughter had danced before, Herod, guess what? He said, oh, what you want? She said, I want the head of John the Baptist on a platter. Because her mama told him to have John beheaded. That way she couldn't hear the truth. It didn't matter. She had already heard it, and she had to give an account of what she did here. But listen to this. In the book, we're talking about Herod and John the Baptist when he had it, that he, he liked hearing John. You know, he was, he was afraid of him because he knew he was a man of God. But what happened when I say almost is not complete? Go to the book of Acts. I want you to read this for a moment. The book of Acts, chapter 12. We're going to start reading from verses um, 21 and 23. Listen to this. And upon a set day, Herod, arrayed in royal apparel, sat upon his throne and made an oration unto them. Talking about the people. <clears throat> Verse 22 says this. And the people gave a shout, saying, what did they say? It is a voice of a God. And immediately the angel of the Lord smote him because what? He had he, he gave not God the glory, and he was eaten of what? Oh, my goodness, and gave up the ghost. Isn't this amazing? The thing about it is just this. Almost is not complete. Herod had the opportunity to receive the Lord and become a Christian. But because he didn't want to, he was afraid of him, he knew he was a man of God, he put it aside. He tables it forever. And then he gets caught up into himself. And what happened? All of a sudden, he died. And worms just come and start eating him up. <laughs> I didn't see a worm over there, did you? Next thing I knew, there was on Herod. Almost is not complete. So what are, what are you saying to me, Pastor Helen? This is what I'm saying. Don't just go to church. I'm talking to the Christians right now. Just don't go to church and just be a part of the seed, of the congregation. But go with a mindset to be changed. And those that have not given the, the, their life to the Lord, you're looking for happiness. And you're looking for something to ease the pain of this life, its cares. Accept Jesus and into your heart and do what? 
for him. You know, it's it's okay to talk about him. But just not talk about him as a centerpiece of your conversation, but to do some of the things that he has said. When you begin to think about how he hung, bled, and died for us, it ought to do something to you. I know the world will want to hear about Jesus. You can say God, and you can say Lord, but don't say Jesus. He was a man, but he was just a prophet. No, uh-uh. he was a man sent from God which is part of the Trinity, born of a virgin. See, they don't, the world does not want to hear about that. They say as long as you're living morally and the more money you have, the more stuff, it's okay. No, it is not. You need to be fully committed to the Lord. I know some of you out there are going to call me or write me or say something to me and say, but uh, money answers all things. Yes, it does. But accepting and doing Jesus, it answers the most. That means that you will be with him one day. Amen? Amen. Amen. In the book of Mark, chapter 10, and we're going to start reading. This is Mark, chapter 10. I'm going to start reading at verse number 17. Amen? Listen to what it says. And when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There's none good but one that is God. Thy knowest the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witnesses, defraud not, Honor thy mother and thy father. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these I have observed from my youth. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him. God loved all of us. And said unto him, One thing thou lackest. Go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. And come, take up thy cross, and follow me. Verse 22 says this. And he was sad at that saying. And he went away grieved, for he had what? Great possessions. Almost is not complete. His opening statement says this. You know, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? Nine and a half just won't work. Jesus told him to do something. You know, share your wealth. Bless those. And he says, first he told him the law, the Ten Commandments. And he says, I've been keeping those commandments since I was a child. And Jesus says, well, sell what you have and, you know, and take your cross up and follow me. Don't let your money have a hold to you, that you have hold of the money so that you can freely give it. And the scripture says this, he was grieved because he had great possessions. And what happened? He went away. The opportunity, you asking God to come into your life and the Lord saying, let me just paraphrase it to today's thing, their mindset. I want you to come to Christ. And you have wealth. You may not have the millions or the billions or anything, but you could be 
financially, you know, satisfied. And all of a sudden he says, come and accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. He said, do you know the commandments? Yeah, I, I do that. And he says, um, I go to church on Sundays. He says, yeah, well, why not come to Bible study and be a part? I don't have time during the middle week. I work. But do you get off at enough time? You know how it is. And some, no, uh, uh, well, Bible study all starts at 7, and you get off at 5. He says, well, I have to cook my meal. I have to clean up, have spent time with my children. I don't have time to go. Now, there are those that have made the commitment to follow God. They get off at 7.30. Services start at 7. They make a beeline. They get there at 8. They rather get there and miss an hour of it, but they are there and, and to get in, uh, involved in it. But 99 and a half is not enough when God is requiring 100%. So what are you saying? This man had it all, but the thing of it is, he couldn't part with the money because the money had him instead of him having the money. As I quoted earlier, the book of James, it says to be hearers and doers of the word. Over in James chapter 1, verse 23 and 24, it says, if any man, if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, listen to this. He is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goes his way, straightway forget what manner of man he was. So what are we saying here? The thing is he looks at it and he forgets about us. We're just going to church and we forget that we need to live a holy life. I know I'm stepping on someone's feet and toes and they're saying, oh, I'm talking to myself too. But we need to just do more than just come and sing songs. We should have a life that is praying. We should be reading the word of God. We should be the head of the house for those who are in charge. We should be examples. We should be living epistles, read of all men. That means that we ought to be the letter of God written in our hearts. And people ought to be able to say, there goes a, a holy person. There goes a child of God. But a lot of times we want to fellowship with things outside of God and do what? And say it's okay. We're at 99, but we need to make that other percent on it. But we don't want to do that because it's going to take away from us. What is it taking away from us? It's taking away what? Your time? I remember asking an individual to come come to Bible study, and they was telling me, saying, I have to go home, I have to cook, I have to do this, and I want to spend time. I says, well, if you come to church during the midweek, I says, tell you what, when you're planning out a meal, do something simple. Forget that. And then come and bring your family, and as a family, you hear the word of God together. They said, but my show, come on. So tape it. Tape it and record it. They said, that's the time I get off. I'm, I'm tired. I said, I understand. I said, but God will strengthen you. They said, no, you're just requiring too much. I said, okay. And that was the end of that. But James says to be hearers and doers. In order to get what you need from God, are you putting into practice 
that that you've learned. So what are some of the things that you can put into practice to learn? Well, everybody said, well, tithing. Yeah, that's true. But let's get off the money right now. If we're talking about tithers, let's tithe our time. And there's 24 hours in a day, 10% of that would be two hours and 40 minutes. If we're going to be hearers and doers of that, and we're going to give our life to Christ, then we need to give him part of our day. Yes, we do, in order to go that. I'm one that believes this. When the Bible says first natural and then spiritual, I says when it comes to your mate or your kids, the more time you spend with them, the better the relationship. And I'm going to be personal, and I talk about my grandkids. I should have had them first and then the kids, because I tell you, the grandkids makes me feel good, I tell you. Well, I love my grandkids, and I love to spend time with them. So whenever they come with me, I like to do things as a family, just me and my grandkids. The other day, I had my grandkids over, (coughs) and I love chicken strips. So I gave him a choice, and I said, well, where do you want to go out to eat at what restaurant? Or you want to go to the gourmet kitchen, which is me and my little granddaughter. We got our little uh, uh, kitchen set up for the weekend. It's just, just a girl thing with us. So they decided to go to the gourmet restaurant. So at the gourmet restaurant, I was fixing up what they like, broccoli and rice and uh, chicken strips and candy yams, and we were just having a great time, and then we had chocolate cake and ice cream, uh, we just grapes and all of that. So the thing of it is, is just I like spending time with them. And get a chance to talk. I love how my grand, one of my grandsons plays the piano, but all of them do. And they get on, I like listening to them. And I like to see where they're rounded out and things to help them. I'll come in and say, well, you know, let me show you how to add this note to that and give it a little bit different flavor. I sit and I listen to it, and I like to look at what they're drawing. I want them to tell me about that. I'm spending time with them. So am I a hearer and a doer of the principles of a grandparents? I hear them. I hear what they're doing. But then I begin to spend time with them. So it is with our God. Now, it's one thing to accept him. But he wants to have a covenant relationship. He's not going to break his part. He'll always be there ready to be with you to help you to understand the scriptures. But you have to get inside the scriptures. You have to apply yourself to reading it. Sometimes when reading that Bible, just don't read it silently. But if, if you're there by yourself, read it out loud so that your ears can hear what your word, what your mouth is talking about. You know, you can say it's good to read silently, but sometimes just read out loud, and it has a different little thing on that. So if you're going to be a hearer and a doer, if the pastor is teaching a certain subject in Sunday school, be there for that. If at all possible, be there. I know sometimes you can't. I'm not saying that you should be there every time the door opens, but that should be more there than not there. You see what I'm saying? You should have more time that you're there and less time that you're not there. You with me? Okay. So that whenever you're learning about, then go ahead and and, uh, begin practicing that. If you want to know how to uh, have a lot of peace and you're dealing with anger, I have a word for that, and that demon cast out, but all the way there, too, I tell you what, began to speak peace and love to others. And then if something upset you, walk away. You know, the thing that really gets me uh, is people say, I, I don't know. 
the Bible always has example of, of things to do and how to walk away. Do you remember the story about Joseph and Potiphar's house? You know, that's another story about the coat of many colors and being in the pit and getting out. But one of the things that I love about Joseph is this. He had a relationship with the Lord. All right. His family was messed up and all of that, but he had a, still had a relationship with the Lord. Even though he was doing the right thing, spending time with the Lord, he still, what, God, the, the tempter still came. So what I like about Joseph is this. When Potiphar's wife tried to seduce him, he ran. He was fleeing that. And how could he do something to bring shame against his God and against Potiphar? He recognized the authority. I like he ran from it. He, you know, they put him in prison. Trials are going to come. But even being in prison, he still kept the, what, the communicating line open with God. He was still walking in his gift. The gift that Joseph had, he had when he was born with it. You remember as a little boy when he was there with his brothers, he was having all those dreams and visions. But before God can cause that to come into pass, you have to be doing something. All right. The thing of it is, God gave him the ability to interpret the dreams and so forth and how to plan, how to organize and structure all of that good. It just wasn't going to land into his lap until God has to shape him, mold him, and build him into that characteristic of that person that he needed to be. But he had to be doing something along the way. That was not harboring bitterness. And I forgive this. He had to be spending time with the Lord. He had to have a prayer life. And when the enemy and the temptation came, he made a a choice. I'm going to do what is right. And you know the story. He was put in prison. However, he still praised God. He was still helping the, the prisoners there. And from that time, he went from the prison to the palace. Then he was able, as a mature man, to do what God has called him to do. So many times we just hear it and we think we can go on, but you need to put it into practice. There are trying times and there are perilous times, as you know. In, in the book of Second Timothy, chapter 3, verses 1 through 7, verse 1 talks about perilous times are going to come. Verse 2, it talks about lovers of self. Verse 3 talks about false accusers. Verse 4 talks about lovers of pleasure than of God. Are y'all with me there? Okay. Second Timothy, I know some of you said, where is she at? Second Timothy, chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. And when it says, know this, also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Verse 2 says, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, bolsters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. Verse 3 says, without natural affection, truth breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fears, despisers of those that are good. Verse 4 says what? Traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of what? Of pleasures more than what? 
lovers of God. Perilous times are going to come. Verse 5 says what? Having a what? A form of what? Godliness. But what? Deny the power thereof from such turn away. Verse 6 says what? For of this sort they are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sin, led away with divers of lust. Oh, my goodness. Verse 7 says what? They're ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. So what is they saying right now? You can come and you can get it, but something is keeping you from breaking free. Almost is not complete. The only way you're going to be complete is when you apply your whole mindset yourself into that what you're trying to do. It's like going on your job. If you're hired to do a job and you learn it halfway, what's going to be the outcome? You're going to do a half job, right? And it's not going to be complete. Almost it's not complete. And guess what else? You won't be there. Or maybe the mercy will come into being and they'll have mercy on you. But guess what? You keep on doing it. Guess what? You'll, you'll lose the job. So halfway is not complete. We need to apply ourselves to that particular job, learn a manual if that's what's supposed to be. If you're going to answer the telephone as a receptionist, know what the name of your company is. Have a list of the employees there that work there. So somebody call and ask for John Smith, and you say, John Doe, don't work here. You know, <laughs> they say for John Smith, you know, if you wrote down something else, you say, uh, no, you know the people that work there. Know something about the job. If you're making products on the assembly line, you need to know what you're going to do and what step you're going to do it so that everything won't get, you know, backed up or misplaced or not fixed correctly. And you say, what happened? I don't know. They said, did you read the message? Oh, no, I didn't. I can just look at it and determine. They say, you probably have that ability. But let's read the book, too, because I'm going to draw you on that. Amen? Knowing that we're in this world and perilous times are going to come, now that you know that, what do we need to do if perilous times are going to come? We need to prepare, right? We talked earlier today about the Antichrist. If the Antichrist is going to come, what do we need to do to prepare our hearts? Right? We need to know what's going to happen during that time. And if we're still there during that time, we know what not to do. And if you're not preparing the next generation, your family, the next generation to be prepared so that when that time comes, they won't be blindsided, you know, they'll be able to say, oh, oh, I remember this and I remember that so that they don't do that. Those times are going to be coming uh, more and they up in the news now that when it used to be. And first Timothy, go back over to first Timothy farming, chapter four. And I'm gonna read at verse number one to three. Amen. Listen to that. And first Timothy chapter four, verses one, two, and three says, Now the Spirit speaking expressly that in the what? Latter time, what's the next part? Some shall what? Depart from the faith, what given ye to what seducing spirits and of doctrines of devils. Amen. Speaking lies and hypocrisy, what else? Have their conscience seared with a hot iron, 
forbidding to marry, and commanded to abstain from meats which God has created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believeth and knoweth the truth. Listen to this. There are so many false accusations and false things coming and, and, and everything. It's going to get worse and worse. You know, you have so many drive-bys and people getting hurt. You hear in the news and different states how maybe maybe one of the officers had a bad day. I don't know. It's happening. But people are just getting randomly shot, randomly killed, and things like that, being sued and things like that. Those times are going to come. People are going to be speaking lies to us. And some people of the faith, they're going to be, they're going to walk away from their Christianity because of some of the lies that they have. You know, one of the main lies is this, you know, God don't want you poor. That's right. He did say, he says, is the poor going to be with you always? But that's not us. Amen. And they have flipped the lid and gone straight to having all this money. I'm not saying money is not right. I'm not saying that. But some people have lost their what? Lost their the, the way where it comes to they looking at this and that and trying to get the material things to show that you're a child of God. I'd rather not have one penny. And my life would be so connected to the Lord that I'll be able to lead a person to the Lord. Amen? Because that's my main purpose, is to win souls for Christ. There are some forbidding to marry. You know, my thing of it is some marriages should not be connected. That's right. But if you are a born-again believer, and you know that your temple is the temple where Christ dwells, and if you're asking the Lord for that right man, God will bring you the right man and the woman, the right man to you, or man, the right lady to you. God will do that. And forbidding them to marry, you know, say, oh, you can't do this, and you can't do it. Yes, God will. They can get hooked up in, in this thing and say, how can, you know, Two walk together if they don't be in agreement, and the light with the darkness in my temple will, you know. Listen, God will give you the correct soundness of marriage so that you won't end up in a divorce court. So that once you're married, you won't be worried about stepping out of that relationship and then try to come on back in. God will tell you who to marry and the time that is best for you. God will so that the longevity in your marriage will be to honor God because God made marriage. Yes, he did. Marriage is honorable. When it's done right, spread it with the right person. Amen. You know, it blesses my heart. A couple of years ago, we had this couple that had been married for 51 or 52 years that had come to our conference. And we were asking them, what did you do? How did you do in order for your marriage to be over 50 years old? And they had a commitment to love each other and to serve God. And that's what they were doing. And they teach in different places about longevity in marriage and things like that. Now, the Bible tells us that we need to make our calling and our election, what, clear and sure. So when he's talking about your calling, I've accepted Jesus. And I want to minister what he says. And I chose God. And God wants that to be right. Go with me to uh, Second Peter. Turn over there to Second Peter chapter one. And I'm gonna read at verse number um let me start reading at verse number two and to verse number ten. Second Peter chapter one and it says that I'll start at verse two. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of our Lord and of 
Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him that have called us to glory and virtue. Wow. He said, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers, what, of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Okay, listen to this. And besides this, giving all diligence, add to your what? Faith. What are you going to add? Virtue. And to virtue, what? Knowledge. And to knowledge, what? Temperance. And to temperance, patience. And to patience, godliness. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, what? Charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off, and has forgotten that he was purged from his old sin. Verse 10 says, Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to making your what? Calling and election sure. For if you do these things, ye shall never fall. So what is this saying? Once you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you've made that election. Now make sure that your calling is sure. Let me do what he tells you to do. Amen? If you begin to make sure that you accepted God and you're going to live for him. So you're calling like you, he called you to him. Do what he asks you to do. You know what makes a parent just really happy? If they see their children doing that is right, and they didn't even ask them to do it. Or if their child comes and says, tell me, explain to me how and what to do. That makes a parent feel good. Yes, it does. Do you know how much more it brings joy to our Heavenly Father when we do that, what he has commanded us to do? Almost it's not complete. You know, just accepting him. It's one thing, but we have to do what he tells us to do. Amen? So what do we say now? We need to listen to what God says. In the book of Second Chronicles, chapter 7, verse 14, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray, and what else? And seek my faith, and then what? You seek in the Lord. You have to turn from your wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. We listen to what God is telling us to do. In Psalms 103, verses 3 through 6 and verse 8, listen to this. In verse 3, it says, forgives, God forgives all of our iniquities. Verse 4 talks about he redeems your life. Verse 5 says he satisfies you with good things. Verse 6 says he executes righteousness. And then in verse number 8, he says he's merciful. This is what God says about us when we are in this walk to complete the life that God has given to us. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 through 11, I guess you said you gave me a lot of scriptures. I told you beforehand, have your spiritual tennis shoes on. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 9 through 11, it's verse 9 says, don't want any to perish. Verse 10 talks about the day of the Lord. It is coming. And verse number 11, it talks about our holy conversation. So we want to be found complete, dressed in his garments. Amen? Amen. And John chapter 3, verse number 16, familiar passage. Amen? 
Verse 3, everybody can quote it. For God so what? Loved the world that he did what? He gave his only begotten son. Is that correct? Okay, but let's jump to verse number 17 and look at what that says. 316, we already know about that, all right? Verse 17, it says, For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him, what? It might be saved. He that believeth on him, what? They're not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already. Amen? Because he had not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And verse number 19, listen. And this is the condemnation that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that do that does evil hated the light, neither coming to the light, lest his deeds should be what? Reproved. And verse 21 says this, But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. So what God is saying to this, what? You believe that I am God and my only son, but know that God is not going to condemn you. He's not. God is not going to criticize you and call you this uh, this bad girl or bad boy. He's going to heighten your life with the joy that he has for us, that we will live this life satisfied in him. You know, the Bible always talking about hunger and thirsting after righteousness. Have you ever felt yourself hungry for something? You know, sure, you got a, a, a glass of Coke or a glass of Sprite or 7-Up, but you, you don't want that. Uh, only that water can satisfy you. When there's a hunger and thirst after God, that is just not right unless you've read about him or talked about him. Amen? Amen. Listen to what the Lord says about us, and I'm getting ready to close in just a few moments. In Micah chapter 6, verse number 8, look at what the Lord requires of us. Micah 6, verse number 8. He has shown thee, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of thee? What to do justly? and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. In Micah 6 and 8, to reset, he tells us what the Lord has required, what to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. I love this in 1 John chapter 3 and verse number 1. Turn over that with me to 1 John chapter 3 and verse number 1. Listen to what it says. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be what? Called the sons of God. Therefore, the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. So what are we saying? That what love has God for us that he is calling us sons? He's calling us daughters. He's calling us his own. He calls us his friends. He wants us to be complete. He wants us to live our life to the fullest. There's so much joy in Christ. It's not all coming to church. And, 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 and He wants us to have a full, rounded life. There's plenty of things we can do. We can enjoy going to the movies. We can enjoy going out to the to the restaurant. But it's, it's, it's not that we can't go. It's what you're going to put inside of you. If you're going to put inside of you things, that's going to, bring harm to you. Wow, God is not in that. That's why Christians shouldn't be in certain movies. They shouldn't be in certain restaurants. 
because all our life is to glorify God. Amen? Amen. And as I close on this, I want you to remember this for me. God loves you, and he is concerned about you being with him for an eternity. Talking about almost is not complete. If you started this walk with the Lord and you found that you have kind of swayed to the left or to the right and you want to get back on it, repent is the first thing. Acknowledge that you were wrong. Be honest with yourself and and say, Lord, forgive me. He will cast that into the sea of forgiveness, never to be remembered again. As far as the east is to the west, God does not remember your sin. You confess that he's not remembering that. And to be that complete, because you're 99 and a half, you want to complete the half. Get back into church. Come to church. Be a part of it. Get back to reading your Bible. Get back to praying. Have a prayer life with the Lord. Some people get up early and start that day off with prayer. I suggest that. But you might be the person that likes to read during the middle of the day. That's good. But be faithful in that. Or what about in the evening? Do that. One thing that I would like to say to anybody that you're trying to renew that relationship with the Lord and you're doing that, let the last thing that you read or see the last thing would be the words of God before you close your eyes. So try reading uh, uh, scriptures before you go to bed to have that on it. You know, you be on the game so much that all of that is running through your mind, the cares of this life is on your mind all the day. But make sure that the word is the last thing that you read or speak before you close your eyes. I like to say this when you arise in the morning. Let your eyes follow the word of God before you get up to do anything. For an example, you say, I don't know, start a little by little. Remember I said, tithing on your time. Begin to give God an hour, two hours and 40 minutes of your time a day. It doesn't have to be all at one time. It can be. But get up and read a couple of verses that morning at lunchtime. You have just been listening to Pastor Helen Young of Grace Worship Center in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, a life-changing fellowship. Thank you for joining us today with her message for today, Almost is Not Complete. Hope that you was blessed and enlightened with today's word. Till next time, be blessed. And remember, God does have the best for you. Be blessed.